This is the Encounter Community Church podcast, where we will take one or two nuggets from Sunday's message and look at how we can take, utilize, and apply it to our lives. Welcome back to the Encounter Community Church podcast. My name is Ken Byler Jr. I am the pastor here at Encounter Community Church. And, and right now, I'm still in the middle of processing um, some news that I heard today. Uh, it's, it's Sunday evening, and uh, this morning, Kobe Bryant passed away um, in a helicopter accident. And I'm still working through, you know, what, what I feel about that, um, because it, it, it's so shocking um, when, when you first get the news. And I know that maybe some of you who are wrestling uh, with that as well. But I, I really feel for Vanessa, uh, his wife. Because, you know, when you, when you lose a child, because not only did Kobe pass in the accident, his, his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, or Gigi, he called her, was also in the accident as well. So when, you, when you're a parent and you, you lose a child, the person that you turn to is your spouse. But unfortunately, you, you also lost your spouse in this accident as well. So I can't begin to imagine the pain that his wife, Vanessa, is going through. And also, you know, realizing that he leaves three other daughters. Uh, he has an older daughter who's 17, I think it's Natalia. There's Bianca, she's only three years old, but at least she's had a chance to spend some time with her dad. The one that I really feel also for is for Capri, who is seven months old. Like, she's, she's before an age where she would have been able to form memories of her dad. Like. She'll grow up having to wrestle with what does it mean to, to not have this opportunity to be able to know your dad and, and who he is and, and all of that. So, so I'm feeling all of this in this moment right now and, and trying to process that. And I know that some of you may be wrestling uh, with this as well. So I, I think one thing that I can do in this moment is just take an opportunity for us to pray for Vanessa, uh, to pray for his daughters, uh, to pray for you know the, the, his entire family. But not only that, there were seven other uh, people on that plane. On the, I'm sorry, on that helicopter as well. So the pilot, as well as you know, eight, you know the other passengers. So not only uh, did this one family suffer loss, all of those families that were on the helicopter, suffered loss as well. So what I'd like to do is, in honor of Kobe, is uh, we're gonna have uh, eight seconds of silence because you know one of Kobe's numbers, when he retired from the Lakers, he wore number eight. So we're gonna have eight seconds of silence, and in that, if you could take a moment to pray for Kobe's family and, and the families of all the others uh, that were impacted um, by this accident as well. So again, I, I just wanted to just take this moment to kind of reflect on that. And I, and I think if anything, maybe there's a lesson that we can get from this. And that's simply, you know what? Don't take life for granted. Um, one of the 
things that I've heard. I was listening to Bill, Bill Plasky, and if you're unfamiliar with who he is, Bill Plasky, uh, he's a writer for the LA Times. Uh, you, you'll see him on Around the Horn on uh, ESPN every once in a while, which is a competition show for, for reporters. It's kind of a fun show to watch. I, I, I enjoy it as well. And one of the things that he was talking about was how with Kobe, it, was, it seemed like Kobe was just coming into his own. Like he was just finding his niche of, of his life post-NBA retirement and just moving in that direction and wanting to make a difference with kids and, um, you know, opening up an academy, writing books, you know, all of those things and coaching his daughter's basketball team. He was reaching this place where he was leaving a legacy for the next generation, specifically for the next generation of, of basketball players to find out what it takes to be successful. But not only just in basketball, but but in life and as a whole. And so Bill was kind of just bouncing that around. And, and, and as I was listening, I thought, you know what, with life, again, life just changes so quickly. It, it, it changes on a dime. Like there's, you just never know what the next moment will be in, in our lives. And so with that in mind, I think that that's why I wanted to do this series you know, thinking about my own loss um, with my stepfather. And again, in an instant, um, you know, we, we lost him as well. So that, that suddenness that comes in life is just sometimes truly mind-blowing. And, and you reach a point where there's more questions than there are answers. And I know that some people who are listening to this and some of those who are not are still wondering, Okay, God, where were you? Where were you in this moment? Um, and to be flat out honest, I'm I'm still working through those moments. You know, I have those I've had those moments in my life as well where I wonder where was God at. Now that doesn't mean that He wasn't there. Um, I don't know. You know, like sometimes you can give answers, and and sometimes. The, the the real answer, just to be honest with you, is is sometimes I I, I don't know I, I don't know if, if I can really always give an answer. Like I, I think sometimes as pastors, we feel obligated. Like I have to answer this question, and I have to give you a spiritual answer to this. You know, folks, that that's just not me. I'm just going to be myself, and I'm just going to be real. And I think if I were to try to throw some spiritual mumbo-jumbo at you, you would, you would see right through it, and you would still wonder about what it is that I'm, I'm talking about. So, so I, my honest answer is, I don't know. I don't know. It, it doesn't mean that I wonder if he cares. I know he does. It, it doesn't mean that I wonder if he was there. I know he was. Um, how? I, I don't know. That's the best answer I can give. I don't know. And I just want to be real with you in that way. But I, I think with that in mind then, what we should begin to do is to use this as a moment to evaluate our own lives. See, I, I really want to challenge us to recognize how quickly life can change. And when you understand that, is then what you do is you begin to realize, like, I have to make the commitment to live my best life now. Like, 
Tomorrow's not guaranteed for me. The next moment may not necessarily be guaranteed for me. So if you were to live your life as though today were your last, then how would you live differently? What would be a priority for you? And, you know, we've been talking about making changes in our lives, and, and, and maybe that's a good place for us to start, is for us to begin to look at how would I live differently in my life right now if I were to make some changes so that my life could reflect the fact of recognizing what really is a priority. Because at the end of the day, closing the deal, not really that big of a priority. Nice house, car, the end of the day, really not that big of a priority. Family, that's a priority. Friends, priority. Relationship with God, priority. So maybe it's time for us to begin to sit back and realign our lives with what really is priority. And, and just to be able to say from this point forward, this is how I'm making a commitment to live my life. And just to maximize every moment, every instant, to love those who love you, to grab your kids and hug them, to hug your wife, to hug your husband, um, to go out and have a meal with, a really good meal with great friends, to really cherish that which at the end of your life, again, that you could say, I lived my life in such a way where I have no regrets. I have no regrets for the way that I've lived because I prioritized the correct things, the things that really and truly matter. So again, we've been doing this series called 2020 from Vision to Reality, and we've been talking about making changes in our lives to get to a point where what we see or what we desire to see actually does become reality. Whatever it is that you have resolved to do or to become, to see that become reality. And the beautiful thing about Scripture is Scripture shows that it's possible. It's possible for you to see the change that you want to see happen in your life. You can be a better person. You can be a better father. You can, you can be a better dad. You can be someone who is able to overcome whatever habits, whatever setbacks, whatever challenges, whatever flaws, that you can begin to be someone who overcomes that and see change happen in your life. That you can be. So if you listen last week, we talked about how habits are formed. And, and here's what we said. We said it, it starts off with the cue. A cue is a trigger. I, I love it because in the, the Bible, it gives us another word for cue. Uh, it, it says temptation. But it's a trigger. There's something that puts you in a place where it awakens something inside of you. And usually what it awakens in you is a desire. Uh, that could also be referred to as a craving. That craving, that desire, what is it that, that, that I want? What is it that I long for? What is it that I need? And then usually what that will do is that will lead us to a response. 
And a response is any action or a thought that I practice or that I do as a result of the cue, as a result of the craving. And then that leads me to a reward. What is it that the satisfaction that I get out of it? When that, when that need is met, when that want is met, when that desire is met, that feeling that I get, the reward. Now, remember, the roadmap that we're using for this series is a book called Atomic Habits by a guy named James Clear. Uh, really, really great book. Uh, really have enjoyed it uh, because it has made uh, spiritual growth very practical to me. And, and that's something that I look for. What is something really practical that I can, that I can bite down on, that I can chew on and really see change happen? And what I love about this book is the fact that it, it, it breaks it down in such a way where I can begin to look at what are some of the small changes I want to make in my life so that I can become who it is that I desire to be. Because if I change a small thing here, change a small thing there, change a small thing here, change a small thing there, all of that compounds together to lead up into the ultimate change that I would love to be able to make. And, and what I love is this idea of let's step out into making reachable goals that we can have in our life to be able to practice and do and to make change. So that's the, that's the process of becoming, of, of forming a habit, is cue, craving, response, reward. Cue, craving, response, reward. And so in the book, he also talks about a way that you can see change. Like if you want to develop a good habit in your life, then he gives four laws. The first law is this, it goes back to cue, is to make it obvious. What is it that you want to do? Whatever you make it as obvious as you can possibly make in your life. And the inverse of that is true. If you want to break a bad habit, make it invisible. Make the good habit obvious, make the bad habit invisible. And then it comes to the second law, which is when it comes to cravings, it's which is basically make it attractive. Make the good change that you want to make attractive. Make it something that you you, you see, that you desire, that you long for, that you want it. And then make the bad habit unattractive. I no longer want that. Make it unattractive, unappealing, to lose its 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 umph, to lose its desire, to lose its pull. And then the third law, when it comes to response, is to make it easy. Make the good habit that you want to do as easy as possible for you to be able to practice. And then the third law, again, the inverse of that, if I want to change a bad habit, is make the bad habit as difficult as possible for me to practice. And then finally, when it comes to reward, is to make the good habit satisfying, fulfilling, 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 <laughs> fulfilling. And then on the flip side of that, to make the bad habit unsatisfying that it doesn't meet my need. It, it doesn't bring the fulfillment that I thought I would bring. And, and maybe it might in the, in the immediate, but I know if I draw it out, if I see it over the course of the long haul, then the truth is it is not gonna bring me the satisfaction ultimately that I want. If anything, if I continue to go down this path of this bad habit, it's gonna lead to the destruction of something, the loss of something. And so ultimately it's not worth it. It's not worth it to practice. It's not worth it to do. And so I said last week, what we're going to do is over the course of the next four weeks is we're going to hit each law one by one. So this week, the first law when it comes to Q is to make it obvious, is to make it obvious. And here's what it really boils down to. And this is what we talked about today is if you can change your environment, you will change your life. Change your environment, change your life. 
See, many times when it comes to change, what we have a tendency to do is we have, we have a tendency to try to change us, try to change what we do. And then what we try to also do is because of this aspect of self-control, like I'm supposed to develop this self-control and have this, this strong self-will, willpower for me to be able to say no to the bad habit or what it is that I don't want to do. Right? There's a, a guy in Romans, his name is Paul, and he wrote a book in the Bible called Romans. And in Romans chapter 7, he puts it this way. He says, I don't understand what's in me. He says, the, the, the good I want to do, I don't do. And the wrong thing I don't want to do, I keep on doing. And then he goes on to say, what a wretched man I am. And it's not that he, he's just saying, man, look at this stuff that's going on inside of me. This brokenness, this, this struggle, it's, it's difficult. It's, it, it's hard to see this change happen. But then he also goes on to say, well, who can rescue me from this? He says, praise be to God for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's my hope. He's the one that can change me. He is the one that can rescue me. He is the one who can break me from this pattern in my life. So, so with that in mind, as we, as we look at this, this struggle, and I, and I say all that because I want you to understand that when you go through struggle, God does not write you off. I, I, you know, I don't know what your church experience has been like, but if anyone has ever told you that God has written you off, they're wrong. They're wrong. God will never, ever, ever give up on you. And the only time that is ever too late to see change happen in your life is when we have crossed over the line to eternity, to eternity. That's the only time it's too late. Other than that, as long as you're living, as long as you're breathing, as long as you have another day in your belt, as long as you have another opportunity, it is never too late to change. And again, God will never, ever give up on you. Never, never, never. So I, I know this idea of self-control. I love what James Clear says in his book. He, he says this, and I wanted to, to read it to you. He says, people with high self-control tend to spend less time in tempting situations. It's easier to avoid temptation than resist it. Later on, he says, instead, disciplined people are better at structuring their lives in a way that does not require heroic willpower and self-control. In other words, they spend less time in tempting situations. So one of the ways to make your cue invisible for that bad habit is change your environment. See, what happens is if I change me, if, if my situation changes, and I'm put back in the same environment, then you know what happens is I go back to being the old me. We see stories of that, don't we? How many times have we heard stories of people who go to rehab? You go to rehab, and when you're in rehab, what are you? You are away from your environment that caused you to have to go into rehab. So now you're in rehab, you go, you get healthy, you break the addiction, you see change happen in your life, and now you're ready. But then what happens is you go back to your old environment. 
your old stumping grounds and you hang out with the people that you used to hang out with, you hang out, and eventually what happens is because now that you're back in your environment, what does it do? It pulls you back into that habit once again. It pulls you back into that place where you find yourself stuck once again. Eventually, maybe even having to go through rehab once again. So the key that they experienced initially was changing their environment. They changed their environment, their lives changed. And so the, neat, the, 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 the thing that has to happen is when they go back is don't go back to the same old environment. No, do everything that you can to get into a brand new environment. And it's the same way when it comes to whatever bad habit it is that you want to break in your life is to begin to analyze, begin to look around. What are the cues that are around me? Because again, here's what we said about a habit. We said a habit is something that we do automatic, that becomes so normative in us that what happens is we just naturally do it. We just naturally do it. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves in this place. I was driving the other day on a freeway and I just kind of got lost in thought. Next thing I know, I missed my exit. I missed my exit. How many times has that happened to us when it comes to practice? You are so into what it is that you normally would do that all of a sudden you find yourself doing your old habit and you miss the exit to do your good habit, right? Because it's such a normal part of our lives. And we've seen it with teenagers. You've seen it with teenagers, right? Because what we do is we ask the teenager, why'd you do that? Why did you do that? And they give us the same answer that every teenager has used and we have used it across all of eternity. And what is that answer? I don't know. <laughs> right? I don't know. And when they say that, you know what they're really doing? They're telling you the truth. You might be saying, you don't know? What do you mean you don't know? The truth is they don't know. Sometimes they really just don't know. Because the actions become such a normal part of who they are. So normative in that point. And so, again, we can begin to see change happen. We can begin to, to break these habits in our lives. But I think if you are relying on self-control to see change happen, and maybe this is our first nugget for the day, if you're relying on self-control to see change happen, you're relying on something that is weak, that will not last. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41 says, Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. But the body is weak. Self-control is not a long-term method that will work for change. It may work in a moment. It may work in the instant. But eventually what will happen is you will be weak. And so the best way to practice self-control is to put yourselves in situations where you don't have to practice self-control. <laughs> Again, I love what he said. It is much easier to avoid temptation than it is to resist it. So don't put yourself in that place where you have to resist it. And our main point in the message today was change your environment, change your life. Change your environment, change your life. 
So don't just look at what are the changes that need to happen in me. Also begin to look at what are the changes that needs to happen in my circumstance? Where I'm at? Who are the people around me? When am I most tempted? Matter of fact, maybe one of the things that you could do is just sit down with a piece of paper and just ask, what is one way this week that I can eliminate my exposure to temptation? My exposure to my cue. Matter of fact, maybe what you could do also is, is sit down with your habits. Is sit down with your habits. And then what you could do is to begin to realize, like, okay, what are my cues? This bad habit, what's my cue? What's my cue? And if you don't know what your habits are, what bad habits you need to work on, or what habits you need to change, then I'm going to give you some suggestions on things that you could do to be able to see change happen. So we've talked about making it invisible. What is one way that you can make your cue invisible? Is change your environment. Change your environment, change your environment, change your environment. Then another way that you can begin to do change is sit down and, and look at your habits. What are my daily habits that I fall into? What are my daily habits? So what James Clear suggests is that you would keep a habit scorecard. You keep a habit scorecard. So let's say, for example, you wake up. If you're hearing this on Sunday night, you'll hear this on Monday or, you know, whenever you hear this. Your next day, you get up and, and from your, you grab a, have a piece of paper next to you. Um, and then what you do is you track your habits. So you start up, get out of bed make the bed, brush my teeth, get dressed. You make a detailed list. The more comprehensive, the better. But you make a detailed list of all your habits, of all your actions that you do for the day. Then at the end of the day, you analyze them. So what you do is if it's a good habit, put a, put a plus sign for positive. If it's a bad habit, put a, a minus sign for negative. And if it's neutral, just put a zero, by, a zero next to it. Neutral. Neither good Neither bad. It's just kind of neutral. And then what you do is you process this and, and do it for at least seven days. Now, the good thing is day two will be a little bit easier because you would have already tracked day one mostly. And then what you could do on day two is just carry over from day one. But then if there's any new habits that kick in, you can write them down. The reason why it's important for you to do it over seven days is so that way, if there is a bad habit that kicks in, you're able to recognize it and you're able to see it. You're able to recognize it, you're able to see it. So this element helps you to just be able to identify what is it that really needs to change. Because we, again, we have these habits that are in our lives that are just so normal for us to do that sometimes we don't even recognize that we do them. Now, also be honest with yourself, it is possible that you could have a habit that starts off as positive that, as you practice it, can become negative. Here's what I mean by that, is at, at the end of the day, you get home and you decide you want to watch TV to relax. The relaxation element of it is a positive aspect. But then what happens is you continue to watch TV, you continue to watch TV, you continue to watch TV, and then the next thing you know, it's at 2 a.m. and you got to get up at 6, <laughs> right? So then you turn out the TV, you drag yourself into bed. That's at a point where maybe something that was positive has moved over into the negative. And then once you begin to address it, maybe it's not that I need to eliminate television, but maybe what I need to do is just change the amount of television that I watch. 
But again, it's just simple things. Changing your environment is huge. Uh, and, and I love this. Some examples that James Clear gives about changing your environment. He says, if you can't seem to get enough work done, leave your phone in another room for a few hours. If you're wasting too much time watching television, move the TV out of your room, out of your bedroom. Uh, if you're playing too many video games, unplug the console and put it in the closet after each use. <laughs> but again, that's the idea of, of changing your environment. So what you could do is you could begin to go back, you can look at your cues, and you could say, okay, when are there moments, as you look at your habits, then you begin to change your cues, and you begin to look at, okay, here are some things that I can change that puts me in a situation where I'm cued to do the negative habit. So start identifying that, change your environment, and again, you will change your life. So now the question becomes, how do we start to practice positive habits? Now, normally I would give you two nuggets. Um, I'm going to give you three today. But don't worry, the, the next two that I'm going to give you are really short. But here's the first one is do an implementation plan. Do an implementation plan. I, I talked about this today, and I said that there was an experiment that was done, and he actually talks about this in his book as well. There was an experiment that was done, and it was just on getting exercise. And so they brought in the control group, and they said, we just want you to go exercise. When the control group came back, they said, how many of you did one day of exercise? Just one day. 35% of the troop, of the, of the control group did an exercise. With the first experimental, experimental group, we say experimental group A, they sent them home, and the only difference between them and the control group is they gave them motivational materials. Here's why you should exercise. This is why it's so important for you to exercise. It was stuff to encourage you and motivate you to exercise. At the end of the week, that group came back knowing how important exercise was. That group came back and they asked them, how many of you exercise at least once this week? And that number went from 35% to a whopping 38%. <laughs> so here's the thing that's so important for us to understand. Just knowing the right thing to do is not enough. It's not enough. We all have those great plans. I'm going to eat healthier, right? I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to watch less television. So we all have these dreams and goals, and maybe that's where our resolutions come in, but then we find ourselves not practicing them or not following through on them. And so here's what they did, is with the last group, they had them write a statement, and the statement was simply this. During the next week, I will partake in at least 20 minutes of vigorous exercise on this day at this time in this place. So they all wrote that statement down. When that group came back, they asked them, how many of you exercised at least once this week? That number jumped from 38% who just knew about it to 91%. There's something about making the commitment and writing it down. James Clear said this, people who make a specific plan for when and where they will perform a new habit are more likely to follow through. Make a specific plan. So your plan might look like this. I will, whatever the behavior is, at whatever time, in whatever the location. Here's some examples. I will read the Bible at 6.30 p.m. at the dining room table. I will exercise for one hour at 5 p.m. at my local gym. I will give my wife a cup of coffee at 7 a.m. in the kitchen. Now, I know if my wife hearing that, she's like, hey, 
Is that a suggestion? Are you really going to be doing that? <laughs> no, it's just an example from the book. <laughs> no, I, I, I might surprise you with the cup of coffee if I can learn how to work a French press, <laughs> right? But, but it gives us an idea of putting it in a, in, a, in a statement and then put that statement in a place where you will see it. Put it in a place where you will see it. And if it's, let's say, for example, exercise three days a week, write what three days they are, write what times they will be, and where you will do it. And what you'll find is, more likely than not, you might do it. Maybe, you're not, maybe you don't get in all three days, but maybe you get in two. Maybe even you just get in one. There's still maybe more exercise than you did all the last month. So it could be a great start in that way. The other habit that he talks about to see implement change happen in your life is he called it habit stacking. And that is when you take one habit that you already do and you stack it with another habit that you want to do. So let's say, for example, you want to begin to um, read your Bible more often, right? So an example of that would be, is this, maybe after I pour my cup of coffee each morning, I will read my Bible and for, for five minutes and pray for five minutes. So he says this, one of the best ways to build a new habit is to identify a current habit that you already do each day. So that's where your habit scorecard will help too, that you already do each day and then stack your new behavior on top. This is called habit stacking. So you take the habit that you want to do and you connect it with the habit that you already do. Another example, after I say goodnight to the kids, I will shower and read a chapter of a book. Maybe you wanted to start reading. Maybe that's a commitment that you make, but you haven't seen yourself read. Or maybe you say, I, you know what, I stay up too late. Well, maybe this is a good way to start your new process of going to bed sooner. Um, after I get into bed, I will give my wife or I will give my husband a kiss because you want to build more intimacy into your relationship. So it's looking at taking something that you want to do and linking it with something that you already do. So the habit stacking formula is simply this. After current habit, I will new habit. After current habit, I will new habit. So linking a new habit with one that is already routine will actually lead you to being able to make change. So those are the nuggets. Again, resistance of, of temptation as far as the idea of self-control is not an effective long-term plan. It's not. You have to look at changing your environment. And the second, write down an implementation plan. Write down an implementation Write down, if I could say the word, <laughs> write down an implementation plan. Also, do the habit scorecard and then also habit stacking. You could do the implementation plan or you could do the habit stacking or you could do both. But you want to do something where you make your, by changing your environment, you make your old cue invisible. By instituting an implementation plan, you make your new cue obvious. You make it the focus, whether it is an implementation plan or a habit stacking. You make it obvious. And by doing so, that's when you will begin to see change happen in your life. So it's my hope 
it's my hope that we'll make the commitment to live life in such a way, as I said before, where there are no regrets. And like I said, I, I know this week there's going to be a lot of news about Kobe and his family. Whenever you hear that, I just want to encourage you just to be praying for them. Be praying for his family, his wife, his daughters, um, just a challenge that they're going to go through. I mean, you know, my, my prayer is that they're surrounded by an incredible, uh, an incredible village that will be able to give them the support that they need to go through this time and go through this process. And so it's, it's, it's so important that we, we take a moment uh, just to be able to practice that and, and to do that. So again, I, I just wanted to ask you, you know, to continue to rate us, um, continue to um, make comments about the podcast. Again, that's a way for people who are like you that are looking for something to listen to, to encourage them. That's a way for them to be able to find us. And it just kind of gets the word out there about us a little bit better. And again, if this is an encouragement to you, please take a moment to share it with a friend. And if you find yourself in North Torrance on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., we would love to have you come by and to be a part of one of our services if you've never come to check out Encounter as well. And with that, again, Encounter is about three things. Love up, love out, love in. Love up. We are people who are madly and passionately in love with God and looking how, and it's really simple. How do I love God more today than I did yesterday? Loving others, love out, love others. How can I be more loving to my family, to my friends, to people in my community? How can I be more loving today than I was yesterday? And then loving yourself. Guys, take care of yourself. Women, take care of yourself. Let's get exercise. Let's eat right. Let's have great lives for our family, for our wives, for our kids, for your husbands. Let's have great lives because, again, life is short. So why not make the commitment and live the absolute best life possible? Well, take care. And God bless you. And for next week, next week's podcast, uh, we're going to have a special guest. Um, next week, uh, Stan is our associate pastor. Uh, he's going to be preaching next Sunday. And so um, I'm inviting him to come and to share uh, some of his thoughts on what he's learned um, as we go through this process. And it'll be another dialogue of a podcast. So hopefully you'll be able to come out and join us uh, for that and to be a part of that conversation as well. Well, take care. God bless you, and we'll see you once again. Oh, and I guess I should tell you, what are we talking about next week? We're talking about craving, right? Craving. So in other words, we're looking at making it the good thing that you want to do, making it unattractive, the bad thing that you don't want to do, making it unattractive. So that's what we're going to cover each week. So before I so rudely interrupted myself, <laughs> take care, God bless you, and we'll see you once again next week. Thank you for taking a moment to listen to the Encounter Community Church podcast. If you're looking for a way to get more connected to our church, head over to our website at encountercommunity.church. You can see the times of our services as well as the events that are happening at our church. And you can feel free to come out and join us. 
Also, if you'd like to make a donation uh, to our church, allowing us to continue to make a difference in our community, then you can head over to the page that says online giving and you can follow the link from there. Well, take care. God bless you. And we're looking forward to seeing you once again next week.